I feel like, again, that I've seen a lot and I've experienced a lot. And, you know, I, I want uh, our players to see that the vision that we have for them, you know, both as a baseball player and a student athlete and as a young man. You know, being a walking billboard for, you know, their, their family, their school, their, their community and beyond, I think is something that's really important in this day and age. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the High School Coaches Club. I'm your host, Max Price. Welcome aboard episode number 56. As always, I am honored to have you here. You're going to love Brett Kay. He's one of the most respected baseball coaches in the high school game. He has so much to offer us. While you're here, leave a rating, maybe even a review. And while it's on your mind, head on over to highschoolcoachesclub.com to grab some stickers to rep the club. Thanks for joining me today. And a huge thank you to Will and the gang over at Netting Pros for sponsoring the High School Coaches Club. In addition to the design aspect of facility improvement, netting professionals specialize in the fabrication and installation of custom netting, digital graphic wall padding, windscreen turf, turf protectors, benches, cubbies, and so much more. Obviously, baseball and softball are huge markets for netting pros, but they have customers in football, soccer, lacrosse, track and field golf courses, and just about any sport you can imagine. They are truly making facilities better all across America, providing high-quality products and services to recreational, college, professional, and of course, high school facilities, fields, courses, and stadiums throughout the country. You can contact them today by calling 844-620-2707, emailing info at nettingpros.com, visiting their website, nettingpros.com, or by checking them out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. They're improving programs one facility at a time. This podcast is also sponsored by Driveline Plus. High school coaching is about effectively identifying and communicating what athletes need to do to improve. Driveline Plus is a growing and ever-changing library of the best information on baseball player development. Members will find how-tos on different baseball technology and the latest research findings from Driveline's lab, along with inside access to Driveline trainers to make sure you can effectively coach your team. Plus, members also get the best discounts that you can find on Driveline training gear. Listeners of this podcast can get 25 bucks off their first year of Driveline Plus using the coupon code HSCC. That's the letters HSCC, yeah, for High School Coaches Club, for $25 off your first year of Driveline Plus. Go to drivelinebaseball.com slash plus to learn more. You can also find the link down in the show notes. As a Plus member myself for a number of years, I seriously cannot recommend it enough. In this episode, I'm joined by the head baseball coach of J. Sarah Catholic High School in California, Brett Kay. He's a family man who took over the J. Sarah baseball program after finishing his professional baseball career. In his words, he was only supposed to coach there for about a year before they fired him and moved on. But they never fired him. He's still there. and He's been going at it for well over a decade and has had just staggering success. You are going to love him. So let's do it. Let's dive in. It's episode 56 with Brett Kay. All right, I'm joined by Brett Kay. Thanks for joining the show, Brett. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Look forward to the next 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. I'm, I'm excited to have you on. We've tried a couple times and finally nailed this thing down, and, and, and I'm definitely uh, excited and ready for it. I kind of wanted to start back with your own, with your own high school days because I know you obviously played at Modern Day and you were a catcher. Um, at that time, did you know that baseball is what you're going to spend a, a huge portion of your life doing? Or in high school, was it more of, of just you're, you're kind of focused on playing at that time? Um, no, I think at, at that, I knew that I wanted to be a baseball player. Um, I also knew that the biggest mistake I made was stop, it, stop playing football and stop playing basketball. So, um, and I, I still say that to my parents, my parent meeting this day. Um, but yeah, I knew at, you know, um, in high school at modern day and playing for coach Ikes, um, I knew that's what I wanted to be. And I knew that I wanted to try and, you know, take, I don't know, my talents, my ability to as far as I can take them. Um, I know I had so much um, maturing to go through during that kind of high school age process, but it was a, it was a great four years. And um, that's, like I said, that's, I I knew I wanted to be that. I just didn't know how good I I could be because I didn't know, a lot of things about anything really at that point in my life either. Yeah, rarely do we. I, I know you were a catcher, so did that add any anything to you? Although I always have like you know really successful major league uh, uh, coaches tend to be catchers for whatever reason. Do you feel like that helped you at all, or is that more of a just kind of a, a cliche? 
Well, no, I had I had the right people kind of helping me. I had Bob Boone. Um, I was really good friends with his uh, youngest son, Matt. So, you know, Bob kind of really got me into catching um, at, a, at a young age, at like 12 and 13. And, you know, I, I was always a pitcher and a shortstop. So, um, and I fell in love with it because I knew that you see the game from such a different angle. And, you know, you've got eight players looking at you and that kind of view of the field. And, and then you have, um, you know, your view as a catcher. So um, I knew that that's where my love, like real love started. So, and yeah, I always say, I agree with you. Catchers make great managers. Um, I, I, I love it. I think it's so much fun um, because you just have to learn as you should, as anybody should really is, is so many different facets of the game. Yeah, there are tons of them. I know just for, as a as an adult now, I'm only in my 30s, but I know that every once in a while, um, you know, during practices and stuff, I'll, I'll catch a, a bullpen or two. And even now my knees are just like toasted. And I can't imagine. Yeah, it's funny, like seeing major league, you know, players at age 32, they're kind of in their prime as catchers. And I'm like, how in the world do these guys do this every single day for, you know, just weeks and weeks and months out of the year? It's amazing. Yeah, you know, I never had a knee problem catching. Um, I, I tore my ACL twice at playing uh, basketball in the offseason. And, um, you know, and I look at, you know, a former player like mine, like Hedges, and, you know, see the durability that he's had. And, um, you know, 182 games or, you know, most catchers won't catch 150 games. But, you know, it's what Molina's done and what these guys have done. And it's uh, – it's a lot. It's a, you know, it's a true type of uh, experience, call it grind, if you will. But um, it takes a special person to put on the gear. And, you know, like you said, I put on the gear, gosh, it's probably been f- at least five or six years. And I have a video of me catching, you know, one of our players' bullpens. And I'm like, I remember the struggle it was just to get on the gear. and like, oh, am I really doing this? Like, it, it just, it's so different because once you, once you are out of that element, two things are going to happen. Like you're going to get right back in at least mentally a little bit, but your body's not going to let you do it. You know, like I still think like every catcher, Hey, I still got it. You know, put, put me behind the, put me behind the plate, you know, give me an at bat. I mean, and I can still do this, you know, and that's, that's how our brains think. That's how we're wired. That's the competitive nature and, 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 you know, baseball players, catchers, if you will. And, you know, we still think we can handle it and we still think we can go catch uh Nolan Ryan or Randy Johnson or Greg Maddox are, are the best pitcher in our high school staff. So it's kind of fun. I was, was going to say, did you ever, did you ever get down and try to catch Royce? No, he was, he, Royce is only a pitcher like it is as an incoming freshman. I remember throwing him in like a JV game up in Saugus and I think he gave up like seven runs and we, we kind of shut that down. <laughs> uh, so I didn't, I didn't need to see him on the mound very much. Yeah. You saw enough. That's hilarious. Well, that's awesome. I, you know, I, it just, um, Catchers are a special breed, and it, it takes a spe- like you said, it takes a special person. I think every once in a while, as, as you probably noticed as a high school coach, every once in a while, an incoming freshman comes in who who has been a catcher his whole life, and it's hard to explain to someone who who doesn't get it. But it's it's pretty quick and easy to figure out if a guy really is a catcher to his core or not. I'm not sure how to explain that to people, but there's just something different about a kid who really is truly a catcher. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, catching is evolving. You look at the, um, you know, mm-hmm. there's a guy that's that's local to us. That's a, I really like following him. And, you know, I've, I've kind of touched out to him that I need to pick his brain more because the, the, the evolving components of catching um, are very unique. And, um, but it does take a, you know, a really special skill set, I think. I mean, you can turn a lot of people into catchers. Like, you can look yes. at the bodies and you can look at the arm strength and you could say, hey, this guy's got a chance to be a catcher. Or, um, you know, you could look at the progressions of, you know, their kind of mental, you know, I, I don't want to say capacity or imagery in that front, but, you know, oh, that kid's smart. Like, he's going to be a really good catcher. He's going to be in the game for a long time. Or he's got the uh, the physical attributes and, you know, he's got a combination of both of them. Or he's he's this or he's that. It's just – it's it's fun to kind of see catchers mold into who they can be um, and always have that really special stigma about catching. It's kind of like we're an enigma, you know, and um, it's unique to watch, you know, but it's a, unique to see the growth of that position to – because I always said for a long time, and I'm only 42, 
that it was just the most undercoached position around. And now you're seeing a lot of really, really special catching guys. And, you know, and I'm a, I'm kind of in the old school, you know, mindset um, and I'm only 42. So I'm trying to, you know, pick these guys' brains or watch them on Twitter or Instagram and be like, okay, we can do that, you know? And, and, you know, it's, I think it's fun to create new things and, and to have creativity behind the plate and, and try to expand a young player's mind to be, you know, the, you know, the best he can be and, and to learn and teach him really how to learn how to fail. Um, because I don't think enough kids do that in this day and age, if you want my honest opinion. Yeah. Well, you, you know, as a, for a lot of us as coaches, you know, there's obviously huge gains being made in a lot of different areas in baseball coaching and things have changed a lot in, you know, even the last like five years, let alone 10, 15 or 20. And so I know, you know, you, you were a catcher, obviously you went and played professionally for a while. Uh, and we see it a lot of times, especially on the, the cesspool that Twitter can be occasionally where you get like the former pro athlete who has, you know, they did it their way and it worked for them. They made it to, you know, some of the highest levels that there were, but the game keeps evolving and keeps changing. And you mentioned, you know, how catching was kind of undercoached and now it's becoming, you know, there's like I mentioned a second, a lot of gains to be made for it. So it takes a lot to step back for us as coaches with, you know, when you get ego involved and to kind of be open-minded to the changes and the evolving ways that baseball has grown over the last, you know, five or 10 years, even the last, you know, three months, it's probably grown so much. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's kind of twofold. I want to follow and watch the people that want to make kids better and want to make the game better. And I don't want to, I mean, it's good entertainment, I guess, to see people fight on Twitter. I mean, it's just kind of this day and age and, and it's, it's, and it's not fun, but it's just like, this is, you know, but I want to follow the, <clears throat> excuse me, the guys that want to make the game better and they want to make players better because again, it's always going to be about the player and, and the game and, and trying to get players within the realm of, of, you know, getting them to their highest, you know, skill sets and, you know, but a lot of it's branding and marketing of, of yourself and, and getting, you know, the, your, you know, world out there. And, and, but I think that's okay too. I mean, it's, there's aspirations that people have that are, that, you know, they may want to be a, you know, a, a college catching coach or a, or a major league catching coordinator or a bench coach with a big league staff. And, you know, they're, so you're seeing a lot of these guys, you know, be able to use these vehicles on social media to, you know, promote, really their position, their, their game, their skill set, how they teach it. And, and then the players that are they're surrounded by them and they're really doing a great job. And it's, it's fun to watch. I mean, it's because you're learning new stuff every day. I mean, you, you look at, and everybody kind of calls him the Godfather. You look at Jerry Weinstein and, you know, I follow his stuff, you know, pretty religiously. And I'm like, yeah, we got that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a new little, you know, nook and cranny that we can install. And, um, or, you know, there's a local catching guy that's in Riverside down here. And, you know, one of my players after he graduated post-graduation went and saw him and I'm like, tell me, tell me about him. Like, tell me, what is he teaching you? I want to know, like, because I want to make our guys better and I want to give them options to be like, oh, hey, you can do the old school way of this number two stance or, hey, let's try the one knee this or let's do that. And, um, you know, and then it's it's great to, like I said earlier, to see the players fail and try things and and be unique and say, well, that doesn't feel comfortable to me. Okay, well, I'm not going to be like, well, you must do it this way and it has to be this way. It's like, no, you do what feels good for you, what makes you, you know, from a if you're looking for target metrics and things like that, that feels best for you and that you you feel that you can be this one nine guy or this two oh guy or this two one guy but be the best two one guy you can be be the best two oh guy you can be and if i can do a job that makes you a little bit better um if i can install something or if i can learn something from that that world of twitter or instagram or you know anything that's out there or, or, or catching uh clinics and you know i'm gonna do that i'm gonna do those things and um because ultimately at the end of the day our job is to you know, promote, teach and develop, you know, our youth to make them the best they can be in whatever that position can be. I know we're talking about catching, but really, you know, in the game of life too. So and I don't want to sound too cliched, but, you know, I think that's, I think that's all encompassing and important. Well, ultimately there's cliches or cliches because there's a lot of truth to them, I'm sure. Um, so just not going too deep into your own career, because I don't want to make this about you having to relive your your glory days. But, you know, obviously you, you played at modern day. You were drafted out of high school. You chose to go to Cal State Fullerton. 
obviously a great choice. They they were a powerhouse back then and and are, are working their way back there now. They they were just absolutely legit um, for a number of years. You were obviously a big part of that. From there, you're drafted by the Mets. You go there, play for three years, uh, and then kind of the cleats get hung up. So, what was that transition like from uh, you know being a professional baseball player to okay, now what? What was that like for you? Um, it was difficult. Um, and I think once the decision was made, I don't, I haven't regretted it. Um, I think it taught me a lot about politics, if you want me to be honest and, um, where, what I needed and what I did, I felt like I had, I think I'm going to be a little Jekyll and Hyde here. Um, I felt like I worked my tail off and, um, I felt like, you know, I, I was entitled to nothing. I just wasn't doing you know, what I had dreamed of doing and what I wanted to be. And, and, you know, it, so it was hurtful because I had failed, but I had always felt like, you know, I had some success along the way, you know, with modern day and Fullerton and, and, you know, my first year with the Mets was phenomenal. It was probably one of the greatest experiences of my life. And then, you know, those next two years were kind of a struggle and um, I really hadn't combated that. My, you know, my dad had passed away and, um, you know, at a young age when I was 18. So I had some father figures in my life, like my high school coach and, and, and one of my coaches that I, there's still two of my mentors. Um, and I, I just didn't know how to navigate the world. And, but I knew that I wanted to coach. Um, I had made that decision basically when I was done playing that I wanted to get into coaching and I wanted to coach at a high level because I felt like I could bring something different to, whether it was myself or Orange County or the kids. And I didn't know how to deliver it yet. Um, I didn't know how to do it yet. And getting into the coaching thing, there's some really great stories uh, behind it all. Um, and I just, I was ready and it was hard to let go. But once I made that decision, it was like, okay, I'm ready. Like, I don't know what the world is going to bring to me in the next one to two, you know, two to four, three to five years. But I have a vision and I have a plan of, of things that I, I'd like to see, I'd like to try to do. And of course I miss playing to a certain extent, but the joy of coaching is a completely different joy in so many different aspects. Um, and so I was, you know, the struggle to get to where I am, you know, where we are, as I say, we, my children are coughing and sneezing in the background. Um, has been, you know, has been fruitful and, and been long and been a windy road and and uh, unique. And like I said, the stories, we don't probably have enough time on here to tell them all, but there's there's some great ones and there's some great people involved along the way. And, and you know, do I think I could have been a big leaguer? Yeah, I do. I 100% do. But I think also the difference, and this is going to sound egotistical, um, the difference that we make in, in – and, you know, our school and our kids and, and my own kids, I don't think I'd be where I am today if I, I wouldn't have made that decision in 2003. Well, it reminds me of uh, every once in a while when a you know, professional athlete gets asked a question where they kind of get backed into a corner. Um, I, I don't know, ask like if they should be starting or if they should be, you know, a, a, one of the better players or winning such awards or whatever. And their answer almost is always is always yes, I should have this or I should be this. And people kind of jump on them and pile on them. But there's a certain level of that where if you want to be the best, like you have to believe you're the best. Because if you don't believe that and you don't you don't spend every day thinking that, then deep down in the back of your mind, you probably start to question yourself and it's like, well, what am I even doing this for if I don't think I'm at the top of my game? So I don't think it's egotistical to say that. I think it's just human nature of being if you want to be the best, you have to believe that you can be. Otherwise, what's the point of even trying? Yeah, I think you're so right. I, you know, it's funny. I was telling my players the other day, you know, and we talk about walking to the plate and we talk about imagery and, and things like that. I said, listen, when I walked to the plate, a number one, I had a routine, but two things would happen. I would go to sleep the night before and I would always envision myself playing at Shea Stadium. I was a huge 86 Mets uh, fan. So, and I would envision Dwight Gooden hanging one of his, you know, filthy breakers and me going, you know, to right center off him. So I would sleep with that, knowing that that was my, that was my plan. And then when I walked up to the plate, I didn't care if I was facing Mark Pryor 
or Kirk Sarlos or um, a lot of you know different pitchers and that I've seen. I would always say I'm the best player in America, and you are not going to beat me. And if you there's things in that you know feeling and sense of of competitive fire and nature that I just wasn't going to be beat. And if I was beat, I'd tip my cap and I, I wouldn't change that mantra about myself. And and that's kind of the, really the stereotype of baseball is when you talk to so many people about, you know, that competitiveness and you call it cockiness, what you will, or, you know, but it's not cocky. It's just our belief in ourselves. And I think so many athletes are like this to be the best and to want to be the best and think you're the best. Now you have to act a certain way when you're not doing it, obviously. Um, but it's that's who we were and that's who I was and that's what I wanted to be. And and I always, you know, felt that way that, you know, it's you're going to have to you're going to have to rip me apart to get me off this field to beat me in a game of, you know, hitter versus pitcher or base runner versus catcher, you know, or whatever it was. Oh, you want to go first or third on me if I'm playing outfield? OK, I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to make a great play in the whatever it is. Like I always felt and wanted to feel that, hey, at that point in time, I was the best player in America. And um, again, I, I hope that doesn't sound egotistical at, by any means, but it's just that's what I felt when I was a player. And um, I felt if you had any uh, chinks in the armor, if you could sense that or smell that or see that in another player, then we would go after that and we would attack it. And that's how we kind of felt as a team at Cal State Fullerton. That's kind of what I learned you know, growing up as a youth and, you know, and, and my teams in a, a modern day. And, you know, that's how I felt when I was with the Mets, although it got beat up a little bit when I was with the Mets. Um, and I, that's where I kind of struggled and battled with myself internally. Um, but it's back as, as being a coach and it's back and trying to instill that into your players. It's, you know, it's about how you dress. It's about how you, you know, open the door for a girl. It's about, you know, and it's how you ask a girl out. It's how you uh, play catch. It's how you, you know, introduce yourself to a teacher or an admin or faculty. I mean, it's the confidence. It's that stigma. It's that, uh, it's that wherewithal. It's that gusto, if you will, that, you know, do things right and act a certain way, but also be uh, humble about it, but com extremely confident in your own ability because, you're going to get no and you're going to fail at this game. And if it, if it lets you beat you up, then that's where you see the struggle come in. And, you know, knowing my own personal struggles, of course, that um, it happens. And so it's, it's, it's something that you have to learn over the course of time. That's one of the hard parts with um, quite a few high school kids is that they come into your program and you get what you get as a high school coach. So when they walk through those doors, um, some of those kids are going to have that, which is fantastic because it's it makes it easier to feed that and to teach them like you're talking about kind of the right way to go about it. But some kids also obviously walk in the door and they don't have that same uh, killer instinct. I, I don't know what cockiness, but that even that's the wrong word for it. But um, confidence maybe is where we I guess we land. Right. So some of them walk through the door. And they don't quite have that same confidence in. Now, one of the hard parts I know for it just as a coach personally, and like some of the kids I've had before is some of them are actually legitimately really, really good and they don't really realize it. And it's, and so, so much of our job as coaches then becomes trying to help kids learn how to be confident, even when maybe they don't feel confident and ultimately get them to the point where they do feel confident and not just about baseball, obviously, but like you're talking about, about life too. And it's hard. It's, it's really hard because you could have, you know, and like this year's team, we could have 30 players on varsity. Last year we had the best team we've ever had. And I had players that I weren't playing that were really good. And how do you tell a player like, Hey, I love you. I believe in you. And, you know, but you're, you're, you're not going to play because I can only play nine players, you know? <laughs> right. and, and it's, so it's hard be, to, because the game and it, the game will beat you. The game will beat you up. And, you know, and it's about being transformational as a coach versus transactional. And I know a lot of people as players and as coaches kind of fight that realm. And, and I fight that realm too, because, you know, our league is so competitive and, and the world of Southern California baseball is so competitive. And, you know, so when you're teaching these kids, you know, when they come in and, and I always say the maturation process from 14 to 18 is so huge, you know, and, and I always say a good program starts at home. You know, what type of parents do they have and and how well have they been, um, you know, really brought up and, and where are they from? Are they from, um, 
you know, this part of uh, the county or they're part of this from the county or they, you know, what are they? Who are they? How do we how do we vet the process of who they are as a kid and then, okay, attack it. So like for an example, I go into these next two weeks after Thanksgiving break on we call player pair meetings and I've got 90 of them. And so it's my job to kind of tell the parents and the players kind of where they're at in the program. You know, hey, I love them. This is what we need to work on. This is what we're doing good. This is what we're not doing so good. But really to get them in a one-on-one setting um, and to kind of show them like our staff's love and, and, and our love for them while telling them, hey, you're doing great or you're not doing so great. And obviously it gets a little bit more detailed than that. Um, but it's kind of unique because you finally get that one-on-one time. And you get to see them a little bit vulnerable and it's okay to be vulnerable. We're trying to teach our players that like, it's okay to go through this. Cause we, once you get in our program, like we always say, we love you. Like, and if you want to go, if baseball is not your thing and you want to go be a part of the B club, then go be the best at the B club. Or if you want to, you know, do this, go be the best at this or Hey, baseball is your thing. Let's go be at the best at this. And, and, and let's, let's try to give you, um, some notes and guides to kind of steer you along the way to be the best that you can be. One of the things I really like is on the, the Jay Sarah website, um, just your coaching bio, um, right under your picture. So, you know, you got the, the beautiful picture of Brett K with your beautiful big head of hair and right underneath it, uh, it says basically that your kind of your priority as a coach is trying to give uh, student athletes a sense of direction. And so, you know, obviously, like you're talking about, you can do that as you know, using baseball as the vehicle. But ultimately, um, clearly, one of your major goals as a coach is trying to help kids find this sense of direction. And like you're saying, whatever that direction might be could be different for every single person that you get in your program. Yeah, I think that's the hard part. And again, I'm, I'm trying not I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot. I've been through a lot. And I've seen a lot of baseball and I've seen great. I've seen not so good and I've had teams that were great and not so good. And I've been, I think good and I've been not so good. And, you know, I, I've seen a lot. I have a lot of stories to tell that are all true. Um, you know, and my players always laugh at me because of that, but it's like the change because I was a, I was a, I was a prick of a kid. You know, I, I, I was, my parents divorced when I was young and, I was the kid when I was 12 and, you know, I hit like 36 home runs and batted 890 and as a 12 year old. But if I made an out, the whole dugout would leave because I would throw everything. And, you know, I was just that kid that struggled and was successful. And if I failed, like it was, you know, it was a bomb going off in the dugout and I was, you know, I didn't value school that much. I, I, I majored in socializing and, and girls and, you know, I didn't have direction until I really got, you know, to, to this kind of this travel ball team and this mentor. And then my high school coach, um, Coach Ikes, um, Bob Spore being the other um, with the very first Placentia Mustangs team out here on the West Coast. And, you know, and it's no discredit to my mom. She had my brother and my sister and, you know, and, and I I was just me. I just didn't have direction and have that mentor. And, you know, I needed that because if I didn't have those two men in my life, I always felt like I would be, you know, doing something I shouldn't have. And so I I've been there, I've done that. And I'm still young enough, I believe to, you know, talk to parents about their son and I'm still young enough to, have a really good relationship with players in this day and age as the world evolves into social media and distraction based and grades and girls and driving cars and, you know, all the responsibilities and distractions that are out out there in the world. And, you know, because I've been through it and I've done it and, you know, who's to say when, you know, in 20 years when I'm 62 that I still can't do it. You know, I still want to be able to evolve, you know, with the sign of times and, and be a good conduit for our student athletes and, you know, and for our school and for our administration um, and to be a valuable piece of, you know, the JSER community and to our players because of the things that I've been through and the experiences that I've had. And, and, you know, that's what I think makes you a, you know, an individual of, of, of growth and, and, you know, so many teachable moments to, try to write the ship uh, individually and then collectively as a whole with your team. And then obviously your program, because, you know, you always, you always want the team or the program to kind of take the, the persona of the head coach of, 
of, you know, hey, he's been in this position before. Like there's trust there. And, you know, there's a respect level there. And there's 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 things that you have to build over the course of when they walk onto campus to that time when the big lights come on and we're playing Orange Lutheran for a league championship and and you know the trust factor and the belief in each other and you know again the cliched word that you hear a lot is brotherhood and you know things of that nature so um i feel like again that i've seen a lot and i've experienced a lot and you know i i want uh, our players to see that the vision that we have for them you know both as a baseball player and a student athlete and as a young man and um you know being a walking billboard for you know their their family their school their, their community and beyond i think is something that's really important in this day and age well let's go back then so you you're talking about evolving as a coach and and as a person obviously trying to maintain your youth like i think all of us will keep doing for as long as we coach right it's trying to still stay connected to to kids because when we lose that connection we're, we'll obviously lose the kids too um take it back so 2006 you take over as the head coach at jay sarah what was the school and the baseball program specifically like when you took over? And what were some of the kind of early things that you tried to do or implement for better or worse? Well, how I got the job is is, is a really great, great story. Um, I won't get into it too much, um, but it's a good one. It's it's a good one. It, it, it engaged me with Scott Boris, um, you know, because Boris's kids were, were or one of uh, Shane was at the school at that time. And, and, and I wasn't supposed to get the job. I was told no three times before I was told you got the job. And the AD at the time, the AD at the time um, was basically had another coach in mind. And I ended up marrying that AD's daughter. So um, that's, a, again, it's a, it's a great story. It's a really, really good story. Smart. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I, I remember getting the job. And being elated uh, because obviously the facility is what it is and, and it's phenomenal. And, you know, I, I had sat down and met with every player and parent in the program as soon as I got the job just to kind of get a feel. Now, granted, I was 26 and um, I knew kind of what I wanted to create out of J. Sarah. Um, I didn't know how to get there uh, necessarily. Um, and I was I was young and I was a yeller and screamer and. Um, I was kind of in your face and, you know, Hey, get on my level. This is like the, the, the energy that needs to be brought, you know, whether it was at that point in time, you know, I said transactional, which a lot of it was. Um, and we only had about 40 kids in the program at that point in time. And, you know, they had played, they weren't, they were not in the Trinity league yet. So they had just played a freelance schedule and I believe they were 19 and 10. And they had let go of that head coach, who's now a, a head coach in Southern California Steel that we actually played in the playoffs last year. Um, and he does a fabulous job. And so I remember just thinking like, okay, here's my vision. This is what I see. And I'm saying this to myself and I've got to kind of get this staff put together. So I had called my old high school coach, uh, Coach Ikes, and he didn't join us. Um, he now has joined us after 16 years. So I just hired this summer. Hmm, um, that's which Another great story. And so I had hired uh, my hitting coach from Modern Day. He was my second call. And then I, I put together our staff. I have a, a gentleman named Damon Summers, who's one of the best teachers on our staff um, at our school and one of the you know best coaches, I think, around um, in my program. So I was formulating this staff and kind of giving them my plan and trying to figure out how we're going to navigate this world. And, you know, I, I don't think the players and the parents had seen – you know, um, and again, this may sound negative. Like I was rough. I was tough. Like I, I was kind of installing a lot of new things that, um, I had learned at Fullerton and kind of creating my own guide of how to coach and what, you know, things I wanted to put in from a team defense and team offense and indos and, you know, those types of things. And, I remember kind of the, the first year, I mean, we lost to some really bad teams. I mean, and I was supposed to get fired after my first year. I mean, that's a known fact around here that I was just kind of a holdover. And um, all of a sudden we get to league and we, um, we play Santa Margarita, who's our big rival at UCI. And they're up five to two on us in the uh, bottom of the seventh and with two outs and no one on base. And we came back um, by – I, I have no idea. Um, came back and beat them 
um, six, five. And then we go on to, I think beat them two out of three, um, or maybe swept them. No, we swept Servite that year. So we had swept Servite. We had beat SM two out of three and we had beat Bosco. So we were six and eight going into the last game of the season against, uh, Garrett Cole and Aaron Gates and, uh, Brandon Maurer and, you know, hmm. this kind of all-star studded staff from Orange Lutheran. And, and if we win, we go to the playoffs and, and I'll tell you, we had no business going into the playoffs. Um, we end up loot. We had bases loaded with one out, and um, I'll never forget the guy who had created, um, from a construction standpoint, our field and like really the south side of campus. Son was pinch hitting, and great one of the greatest kids ever. And his dad was awesome. And I remember pinch hitting him. I'm like, all right, let's you know at that point in time, like we're obviously trying to stay out of a double play and elevate and tie it up, and you know let us let us go to work, let us do something. And he hits into the only three-two-three double play I think I've seen in, in six. <laughs> and you know, so it was kind of that moment where we lost. We went six and nine in the league. Where I think we were eleven and fifteen overall. And you know, so we lost two to one. And I, but I remember like we're gaining traction. You know, it was heartbreaking. I thought that was my last game as a high school coach. I was going to go coach at you know another high school, and you know my. I, cause I'd heard the rumblings and grumblings and, you know, people weren't happy with me because I was a yeller and a screamer and, you know, I held our kids accountable and I needed to be more accountable because I was a yeller and screamer, but we were getting there and, and we had some of the players that had bought into kind of our, our, our spiel and our stigma and, you know, and the next year we go to the playoffs, we lose in the first round and the next year we win a league championship. So um, we were, attracting the right type of players. Kids were coming in. Um, kids were, you know, in this day and age, they transfer in. We had some transfers come in and um, we really were kind of set off on a right, a good path. And, you know, I remember thinking back to that first year, like if we did not win that Santa Margarita game or do what we did to um, Servite, which, you know, Servite had Dan Klein and, and some really, you know, Dan Klein pitched at UCLA and we had beat him one nothing and, um, had a catcher go to Rice, had a kid go to Pepperdine. They were just a, a, a way more talented team, and we had swept them. And um, I, I don't think that would have put us on the trajectory that we we, we needed to have or I wanted to have. Um, but the first year was a bunch of bumps, and um, I had to change the culture of the program. And I had to get the South County out of us, and I know our parents still don't like when I say that, but <laughs> I, had to get, I had to get some toughness to us, and I had to get us to be detailed and – and know what we're doing. And, you know, like I talked about earlier, when we walked on the field, it was like, we're expecting to win. We're not expecting to lose. This isn't like, I don't care if we're playing modern day. I don't care if we're, you know, playing Servite or Santa Margarita. Like, yeah, we don't really have any business in this league at this point in time yet. Um, but I didn't want them thinking that way. And I remember when we beat modern day the first time, two to one, you know, at our place with a, you know, uh, some of the players that we had, but we had this left-handed pitcher named Rourke Anderson, whose hat kept falling off when he would throw. Um, but I remember telling him he's going back out and the the joy and jubilation and the excitement and the belief. And he went out and struck out, you know, I think two out of three guys and and we had beat them. And, you know, around here at that point in time, modern day was a juggernaut. Here's little old, you know, Jay Sarah that, you know, beats them and that was one of the culminating wins at that point in time because our players started to believe and they started to trust each other and they, the culture started to shift and so many things were happening while the school was still in a very youthful era. And um, I felt like we were on the right trajectory. So I know that was very long winded. So I apologize on that front, but once we got to past 2008, we had made the playoffs and I was still a mess as a coach 2009 is where, you know, we really started to take off. And it was, again, we had lost a game in 2009, like 22 to five. But after that, they won 12 in a row. And, you know, they, they beat modern day at modern day and they won, you know, seven league games in a row and they won the Lions tournament. And then they, they, they won the league championship at Santa Margarita. And, you know, it was just kind of that culminating period of like, Hey, we can do this and we're going to build this thing. And, you know, and, surrounding yourself with a great staff I think was the one of the biggest key components that we could do and, and and having kids learn how to believe in each other because ultimately and I always say this back to an article back in the day high school environment 
is about kids believing in each other, you know, kids loving each other, parents being supportive of the program, the administration being supportive of the program and all things being considered, you know, that's what it's all about at the end of the day and, and promoting and developing them to, to be good conduits and stewards for, you know, your school and, and, you know, everything else in between. I think a lot of coaches go through that where like your, your first year to, um, I don't want to say you're trying to prove that you belong, but you're certainly, you're certainly really focused on the sport. And then there's this shift that it sounds like happens for a lot of coaches. And it certainly happened for me. It sounds like it happened for you where over the course of time, you, you realize what you've mentioned already in this, in this podcast, which is that idea that it's, it's actually about people. It's about developing confidence in human beings and attention to details and, um, helping them find expectations and a sense of direction and uh, baseball just ends up to steal your word it ends up just kind of being the conduit for it you, you mentioned that in in 2009 even you're still kind of trying to figure figure out what you are as a coach when do you feel like you really not to say that you have it all figured out but when do you feel like you really made it into your own as far as who you've kind of become as a coach today um that's a really good question i I, I still don't know, to be honest with you. I mean, a lot of people ask me about last year, and I, that was the best year we've ever had, um, you know, with some really special players. And this is going to sound really poor, I think, um, but I think it's accurate. I didn't coach much last year. Um, I, I let the players coach, you know, and the Cody Schreiers, the Gage Jumps, the Eric Silvas, the Gabe Darcy's, the Luke Jewett's, the Colin Blanchard's, you know, the Wilson Cunningham, who's one of the smartest kids I've ever seen. And, you know, Tommy Gilbert, we had just so many really good players that they taught me like, coach, we got this. We got it. You know, and for the first time ever, I didn't call pitches. And, you know, I, I know some people hate that in a high school setting. And, you know, I'm like, you guys run with it, you know, and, and I let my assistants over the course of the last five years. Now, granted, I'm also an AD um, on the other side of campus. So, you know, I've learned to delegate more. And I don't know if that makes my coaches mad at me or not. Um, but it's it's I empower them more to do their thing and, and to, to run the show and write the practice plans. And and you're going to hear some Christmas music go on here in a second. because. Um, and so I think that's that taught me a lot where this year's team is completely different, where we have to install things and we have to work on two strike hitting. And, you know, because we were left with a really bad taste in our mouth, um, you know, losing to my good friend and, you know, probably one of my better friends and, and Jared Halpert and Harvard Westlake, who I have the, you know, the most respect for probably out of anybody in the country. Um, that's how much, that's how high I think of that program. And, you know, so it was a really unique year because it de depends and changes on your personnel each year. And it, depend it depends on the culture of your players and who your leaders are, you know, what what your assistant coaches want to attack, um, what I want to attack, um, you know, and I, I think all those things being considered. So it's, it's always, I, I'll never say I've arrived. You know, it's the old adage of, hey, if you stop learning, you should be out of the game. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I 100% agree with that. You know, I, I think – I do think, though, and I said this earlier, it's really important for me that the team has my persona. And I want that to be a certain thing each year. Each year. And I, I really love that aspect of kind of our program. But I also want them to take on who Coach Summers is, who Coach Orloff is, who Coach Hawksworth is, Coach Velasquez, Groot, and, and like I said, now Coach Ikes is adding 50 years of wisdom, and you know, so um, it depends. I mean, it's 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 definitely a unique time, but that's the challenge as a coach that we take both individually and collectively. You can change, you know, and it's the it's like Rocky, you know, Rocky Four and Rocky Four's speech after he beats Drago, like. You know, if, if I can change, you can change. And I know that's a horrible analogy and people will probably laugh when we listen to it. But it's reality. Like in real terms, as a coach, you are dealt a different hand each day, each year, each month, whatever, by the players that are in your program. And it doesn't matter if they're a freshman, if they're on JV, if they're on varsity. Your job is to mold them individually and collectively as a whole for a common what? Common purpose or a common goal? Goals normally have beginnings and ends. Purposes don't. And 
I think that's the fun part of it. That's the challenge when you're going up against, you know, what I think is the best baseball in the country. And when I've got, you know, modern day and all these teams coming in and we're going there and you have to be win the cat and mouse battle. And, and it's, you know, it's a, our chest out versus your chest out. We're Jay, Sarah, you're modern day, you're Servi, you're Bosco, you're, you know, Santa Margarita, Orange Lutheran. And each day is a new challenge and each day is a new way to be creative and to get your players to believe in that, to get to them in the, the evolving game of baseball and, and not only from a player perspective, but to look through a different set of lenses, I think is is the fun part of it. Because I will never arrive as a coach, and I would hope a player would say, I've never arrived as a player. I'm, I'm, I'm at the big leagues. No. no, 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 no. That's when the work really begins. Now you want to stay there for 10 years. Now you want to stay there for 15 years. You know, And that's the hard battle that we all go through. And and just learn how to be the best, whether you're working at McDonald's or you're, you're stepping you know, on the friendly confines of Yankee Stadium for the first time. Be at your best. I think one of the cool things that you mentioned is, you know, obviously Coach Ike's coming back to your, uh, not coming back, but uh, kind of entering back into your life on the baseball field anyway, where he's going he's gonna to be coaching with you now. How many stories uh, would you be scared of him sharing about you with your players? Um, there's a few. Um, but he's, it's more of revenge, and I hope he, you know, gets a chance listen to this because it's it's there is some revenge there's some so each day when i bring up the team and i'm taking role and he's usually sitting next to me you know it's 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 a quick jab here it's a quick jab there and again i've been trying for 16 years i've i've you know i had an opportunity to um you know go and coach with him at modern day a couple years ago and you know things just didn't work out and you know it's that's great you know they have a great head coach there now um and coach mercado um so now that we have him, it's I'm almost so elated because here is this man that has meant so much to me and so much to me as a young man and as a competitor and as everything that is, is, is such a huge part of my growth. And now that I have him and I want him to learn from us, I want us to learn from him. I want him to develop relationships with, you know, our coaching staff and our players. And I want him to bleed the wisdom of the years and years that he's had. Now, it's different, though, because, you know, he's old school. He's, he did this in the 70s and 80s and 90s and 2000s. And, and you know, so I'm like, hey, coach, like there's some things I want you to learn. Like we're big on shifts and things like that. And he thinks I'm crazy at times and we fight about it. You know, but there's something to be said about good confrontation, and I think you can learn a lot from that. Um, so I want him to ask questions. I want him, I want to ask questions. So I think it's all – it's one of the really – and I've, I've been doing this 17 years. Um, I wouldn't say defining, but a really important part of my coaching life, um, as well as just my life in general, being able to have him on our staff. I think it's really awesome. I think it's going to be a lot of fun and, and obviously cool experience for you both. It kind of reminds me of when, when like a player asks you why you're doing something and um, if you can't explain it very well, it's, it's awesome for challenging us as coaches to make sure that, you know, the things that we're putting in place are actually uh, not only do they make sense, but that they work for our players in a similar way, like having good assistant coaches, especially one who has that kind of relationship with you for, you know, a long part of your life um, allows you to continue that where uh, now you have a coach asking you those same questions and uh, maybe bringing up ideas for you that you haven't thought of before, or maybe you forgot or um, just, just different ways to help us grow as coaches. Cause I think we learned so much, obviously we've mentioned Twitter, coaching clinics, conferences, all the different videos and places we can go to. Uh, but there's something different about having somebody that you trust that's asking you those same questions and giving you an opportunity to defend them and maybe come to different realizations or, or, you know, further strengthen the position you already have. Yeah. You know, and I look at it that we have, you know, basically seven or eight head coaches on our staff. Um, you know, Zach Sigler, who was a former player of mine. I mean, he went, he won 23 in a games with our freshman team. And I think he's bright and extremely good at what he does. And you know, I think Matt Orloff, whose brother has been at UCI is, and I hate to attach Ben to it, but, you know, Matt could be a head coach in his own right. He's, he's one of the most respected people we have on campus. And, 
you know, we have Coach Hawksworth, who's been a pitching coach at Cal State Fullerton and Grand Canyon and been with Boris Corp and, you know, has seen so many different worlds. And, you know, Coach Rube's been doing it with me as my hitting guy for, you know, 16 years, but he coached me in high school. So he's been coaching for almost, I think, 35 years. And and Groot is, you know, the best at picking signs and being a being just the most kindest, grateful, knowledgeable man that we, you know, really have. And, you know, I can go through each one of them. I really could. And, and they're just so special. And so when I say the delegation and the empowering, it's like literally having, you know, seven or eight assistant coaches or, or head coaches on our staff. And it's like, okay. And we all bounce ideas off of each other and they hate me at times and I hate them at times. But like, again, that's good conflict. And like, what do you want to see? What do you think here? What do you think here? Okay, let's do this. No, let's, I, I'd like it to be this way. And, and so there's a lot of really good back and forth. It, it used to be more of a dictatorship. Um, I used to think that I could do it all and do it all at once. And, and, you know, I've realized if I think one thing that I've, I've got to empower them more and give them more responsibility and, and, you know, give them, you know, time to where their voice is heard just as much as mine, because they add extreme, extreme value. And if I have to coach them at times, then I'll coach them at times. And it's hard because they're also my favorite, excuse me, my favorite people on this planet. And it's hard to express that to them because of my, um, I don't know if it's my directness or lack of communication. Um, as I speak out of both sides of my mouth, it's a combination of both of those. Like, again, I want us to be great. How are we going to make them great? How are you going to make them great? How are you going to make this program great? You know, what are we going to do today? What are the differences that we're going to make today? Um, and I think those are unique because those change on a daily basis. I think early too, as a coach, and I think everybody goes through this as well. It's really scary to give away to delegate responsibilities because, I mean, like all of us, you're talking early on in the show about you know being a competitor and, and what that entails and this extreme belief you have to have in yourself and the the program ultimately is attached to your name and you want it to go these certain directions and you bring in guys that you really trust and like and even then it's still really scary as a coach to start giving away some of those responsibilities because you have this vision of where you want them to be and and what you think is going to work really well and they're going to bring their own part to it and maybe that's good maybe you need to obviously have conversations along the way but um, it, it's scary early on to give those away because that's that's your baby like that program is it, it takes on it takes on your name and, and who you are and yeah giving that away is, is not easy uh, at the start and it probably continues to not be easy over a long period of time too anyway yeah yeah i agree with you it's hard because it's your baby you know as a head coach it's your baby ultimately it falls on you and i always tell our players like hey you do it right if it's on me it's on me i'd rather it be on me but i want you to think on your feet and then from a coaching perspective like there's things that and hey i see the game this way i'm trying to teach you to see the game this way this is what i see in regards to this or why we would run this here or run that there, let it be on me. You know, like Orloff and I, we were joking around the other day and I was yelling at him one game to send, I think Gabe Darcy last year. And he's like laughing at me because I'm yelling at Matt to send him, And he's the shortstop's got the ball in his hands in the middle of the infield. And, you know, and he's like, I understand you get caught up in the moment and, you know, and, and, but I was, I'm the calming force and I'm thinking to myself, well, Matt, you're the calming force with us all because, you know, so it's, it's, it's learning. It's, it's, it's so much of continuity and I trust you, you trust me and, you know, bouncing ideas and, and learning how to compete with each other and go to battle with each other. I mean, cause these are all guys that, and I just, I'm really nitpicky on who I hire and who I want in my staff and, and I think it's it's hard because you have to know a little bit of that Cal State Fullerton background. You have to have a little bit of that, you know, energy or that that stigma about you and that brain that that George Horton and Hookie and and all those guys Garrido kind of brought up in that world. And and so I want them to kind of feel that as well and to be able to teach it to our kids and to make them better on all things baseball. You know, and it's, it's, it could be, 
spending time on a bunt defense. Well, the Twitter world doesn't like bunt defenses. We should only run, run one because they don't matter anymore. And I'm like, no, we should run seven because they do matter because when they get to college, they're going to have this or they're going to have that. And, you know, so it's, it's, but we've simplified things. They've also taught me like, Hey, we don't need to do that anymore. You know, no one's going to do this against us or, okay, I agree with you. Let's just go down to this. This is what we're going to be, you know, and that we're going to simplify it. And we'll be the best version of that. And that's, I think some of the most important things that they have taught me over the course of time. We don't need to do that anymore. You don't need to do that, Brett. And okay. Yeah. I'm on that. Or like, Hey, take a step back, you know, and, and they're my, they're my calming force because I'm still in that competitive mode where I'm going to beat you. And I'm going to find a way to beat you. And they are the, that, that force behind it all that is, is the uber ultra supportive of, of our program, our school, and, and ultimately me. Well, and then taking a step back from that, I kind of where I want to finish this conversation. Um, obviously, we got to hear your kids a couple times throughout the, the recording. Um, family as a coach. I don't think we. I don't think it's possible to ever spend enough time with your family when you're a, a high school coach, and the the world of high school coaching is is so. Oh my god, it's so encompassing. It's it's beyond year round. To just call it year round is even a joke. I mean, it's just it just it's so much of what we have to do. Uh, we love doing it, obviously, or we wouldn't do it. But uh, obviously, a big part of that then is it takes time from our family. Um, so, just as a dad, as a parent, um, what do you do to make sure that you're you're fulfilling that role. I think that's a great question in this in this really uh, age right now because I do have two jobs, and I was just telling my wife last night like I'm so happy and and, and proud of her because it's been a struggle. Like I, I've this Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday are my first three days off in, in six weeks, and and I'm and the reason being because I created like a nine and ten year old team on top of you know, my normal schedule so I could coach my own son. And, you know, unfortunately at the end of September, my eight-year-old son tore his ACL. Mm -hmm. And that was, and it's still devastating to me. And because I've done it twice and he's now nine, but he's, he tore it when he was eight and I didn't think it was possible. No kidding. And, you know, I had a decision to make like both as a dad and as a coach, I, I got to stop coaching these nine and 10 year old kids you know, and then I'm thinking to myself, like, what kind of coach and person would I be if I just was that selfish just so I could focus on my son? And so I was really stuck between a rock and a hard place, you know, emotionally and, and internally. And and it's still, you know, we finish off. I'm going to Las Vegas uh, tomorrow to coach this nine and 10 year old team without my son. And I've been doing that for the last six weeks. And I've seen so much growth out of these kids and it's been so fun and so unique. And I'm coaching them after after our J. Sarah practices. And, you know, so my time has really been spent. And I needed to make it a point to my wife to tell her how wonderful she's been and being understanding of that. And that was it's been hard. That's been a hard path for our we've been together for, gosh, about 16, about as long as I've been at J. Sarah. Again, she, her father was the old AD. <laughs> and. Right. And it's been, and she comes from a world that her dad was a softball coach at Long Beach State for 20 some odd years. And, you know, she comes from that world a little bit, Um, but she's also very, you know, in tune to our children. You know, we have a four-year-old who's playing out in the front right now and Brody's probably upstairs, you know, um, you know, playing PlayStation and, you know, making sure that our kids are, you know, doing things right and are good kids and, and, you know, the things that moms do and and she's done a phenomenal job of raising them. And sometimes I'm the absentee father and it's just like coaching, you know, parenting is, is a lot like coaching and it's hard because I don't know when my kids need me. And she, she's the one to tell me like, Hey, your kids need you. Like these three days are really, really important for, um, you know, they're them seeing dad and, it's um, it's such a important thing to be a parent. It's so very hard, but it's the most rewarding thing that I think if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see my pin tweet of the last video a parent took of my son hitting a triple at J. Sarah. And, you know, I, I think he's tore his ACL a week after that. And, and 
you know, just these moments in time, uh, my son bringing me his, his, his Christmas list and, you know, my four-year-old asking me when his Mario toy is going to be here from Amazon and, you know, taking them on rides on my little electric scooter and just being a dad. I mean, it's, it's so important to, you know, learn how to balance that. And it's hard because in the college setting or, or even in, in our high school setting, the demands and having two jobs of being a high school coach and an assistant AD are so large and I don't get to see them. So that's why I created that team. And then when he tore his ACL, it was even more devastating. So I had to try to find and create ways to be around them and to be around my wife more, you know, because I was gone. I wasn't home until, you know, seven o'clock at night and, you know, I'd get to see them for two hours before they're in bed. And so it's something that's still a work in progress and it's something that's still, still, extremely important to me and to my family that, you know, I get to be a dad and I get to, you know, try to, I got to take Brody to PT today and, and see what his next celebratory step is. And I got to see if my four-year-old wants to, you know, pick up a baseball bat and hit in the backyard, which I highly doubt he will. Um, you know, and so it's, it's those types of things, it's, but it's those moments in time and it's milestones and it's, and it's them coming into my bed at night and, and, you know, getting into cuddles and snuggles. And I know that's a, you know, that's a dad word. And, you know, I, I need dad moments. I, I need those moments because they are my fuel. They are my blood. And they are the reason why, um, you know, I do things. And um, they understand that I'm a coach. And Brody loves that I'm a coach. And Caden doesn't really get it yet. And, you know, Kristen's been phenomenal about the support of it. And, you know, they are you know, behind it's, it's the old, uh, <laughs> it's the old dazed and confused line about Martha Washington. And I, 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 you know, behind every good man, there's a good woman. And, um, that's, as, that's as much as detail I'll go in dazed and confused. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, Kristen, Kristen has been kind of that rock and I'm sure a lot of baseball coaches say that, but really in this case and, and, what I do and, and what she, what she allows me to do and the freedom that she gives me to be a high school head coach and to be an assistant AD, as well as to be, you know, the father of our two kids and to be an outstanding, wonderful mother is, is the most really important blessed thing that I could have in my life is, is her and, and what type of mother she is to our kids and what type she, what type of wife she is to me. Well, I, you know, I appreciate you coming on the show and, and spending an hour with us and just kind of sharing some of the, the cool things that you've um, kind of learned over the course of your career. We didn't even get into 99% of, of high school coaching tidbits of, you know, fundraising and, and sponsorships and I don't know, community service things and parent meetings. But I think the conversation is really useful just in helping people find that sense of purpose, because I think so many of us, like we've talked about throughout the last hour, get really uh, stuck in all the details of coaching. And sometimes we need to take a step back and remember what we're really doing this for. And I love your idea about how, you know, it's not about goals, it's about purpose. And I think uh, I just really appreciate you coming on and, and kind of sharing about that. So um, hope you have a great Thanksgiving, a, a good time in Vegas and a, a good time at PT there. And and hope that Mario's uh, toy comes in soon for your four-year-old. Yeah, I had to mute it. I had to mute for a second because he's like, excuse me, dad, when's my Mario coming in? It's like, uh, important today. Stuff. It's really important stuff. So, That's right. No, thanks for having me on. I, I apologize if I was long-winded in some areas, and you know, if you, I'll more than happy to come back on and talk about all things you know that we that we that we didn't discuss. So I really appreciate you having me, and happy Thanksgiving to you, and you know, thankful for all the people that will listen to this, and hopefully, you know, it's it adds some new new something new uh, something to their to their, uh, you know, coaching realm or, you know, whatever it is. So I'm just, uh, I, I, I thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Brett. Brett K has so much to offer the world of high school sports. There is a reason so many players have gone through the J. Sarah baseball program and on to college and professional baseball. He is a stud. If you aren't signed up for the weekly newsletter or if you haven't picked up some High School Coaches Club stickers, you should definitely do so. Head on over to highschoolcoachesclub.com to get started. Don't forget to leave a rating or a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. 
Most importantly, if you found any value at all from this episode or any previous episode, please share this on social media to your followers, via email to your fellow coaches, or through the old-fashioned word of mouth. It doesn't matter how you do it, just find a way to bring a few more listeners in who might benefit. That's how we all get better, and that's how we grow the club. Huge fist bump to Coach K for jumping on the call with me, and thanks again to Netting Pros and Driveline Plus for sponsoring the episode, and to you for clicking that play button. If you have any recommendations for people who should be guests on the show, be sure to reach out to me, even if that recommendation is you. Follow the club on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at HS Coaches Club. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Max Price and can reach me via email, max at highschoolcoachesclub.com. All right, that's it. That's all I've got. You're awesome. You matter. Thanks for all you do. And as Coach Lee would say, loving you.